Welcome into the Penny Bloom Podcast. It is I, Colton Robertson, joined by none other than the magnificent Tavares Pennington. What is up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm, I'm just vibing. You just vibing? Just chilling. It's just a vibe. Just a vibe. We have recorded an excellent episode for you today. We've got a La La Land movie review. We've got a new segment called Who Are We? And we finished. Still don't get it. And you never will. Okay. We have, I mean, unless you watch the Parks and Rec, then you'll get it. Uh, and then we top the show off with our usual The Umbrella Academy episode breakdown as of the last two weeks, the usual. And uh, next week we're going to pick it up with season four, but to, or season four, season two, episode four. But today, season two, episode three, The Umbrella Academy. It's a good one. It was. Yes. It was a good episode. Very enjoyable. Enjoy the episode. Let's roll that tape. What do you say? Bada bing, bada boom. Just a quick one. Just a quick intro. Bing, bang, boom. Just bing, bing, bop, boom. Bap, 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 bap. Bing, bap, 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 bap. All right, bye. Bop. Roll, roll the fucking tape. Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. So La La Land. I fucking love this movie. Yeah, no, it's a classic. I honestly feel like that we we've we've reviewed it on this podcast before. Yeah, probably once. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Uh, just just because I Why there the there not? are a few movies that I associate more with yours and my friendship. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Because. <laughs> <laughs> Sim- uh, uh, the first time I watched it was that night that uh, you were in North Carolina. Yeah, well, that, was that your first time watching? That it? was my first. Yeah, time that was my that. first time watching it too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we both made our coffee at like yeah. two a.m. <laughs> two a.m. and three a.m. for you. Yeah, three. <laughs> <laughs> we stayed up and we watched the shit. Stayed, watched the shit. Yeah, I remember being like, "I hope my cousins don't come downstairs." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're gonna be like, "The fuck are you watching?" And I'm gonna be like, "Bruh." It's City good, stars. I promise. <laughs> I'm like, bro, no, you don't understand, bro. This shit hit you right now. Me. <laughs> I mean, this shit, this shit goes. This shit goes. Yeah, uh, objectively. Shit goes. Uh, you know, on the first things first, what about the uh, the music itself in this musical? It's 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 good. I think, uh, it. honestly, I went and listened to the soundtrack last night, and I was like, it's not as good as it is alone as it is in the movie. And that's how most musicals are. Yeah. Because the context of what's happening is usually what makes the songs good. Right, right. And, like, also, like, the sequences and just, like, what you're seeing, I mean, too, the, makes it enjoyable. Oh, uh, dude, the visuals in this movie are fucking oh, yeah. breathtaking. Yeah, we'll get there. But um, We certainly will. The uh, I think that the music itself uh, was very dreamy. And, honestly, like, it, it signaled to me that it didn't really need the whole jazz background. Oh, it didn't. Like, because it was just, like, I don't know what you call it, but it was, like, it wasn't pure jazz. Like, it Not wasn't, by any like, means. what the music that they were playing or, or made for the movie were. So, it's, like, that brings into, like, honestly, the whole decision about jazz is probably the most questionable decision of the movie. But, like, honestly, I still fuck with jazz. So, it's, like, I'll let you get away with it. But 
be careful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a uh, for, and to go strictly on the jazz thing, it was an extremely white take on jazz. Yeah, it felt yeah. it felt like. Yeah, well, it was just like this, like you know, he was the white man to save jazz. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, because <laughs> that's how it always goes. Yeah, and I mean, removing myself from that fact, I do appreciate this this story too. I, uh, yeah, no, it's a good story. And Sebastian's character is interesting in that way. The way he's, uh, would you call him stuck in the past? Um, I would not say stuck in the past. I would just say uh, traditionalist. He is a traditionalist. In terms of jazz, he is. He is probably just um, someone who feels that um, the culture is missing itself, which is fine. But then it, th- that causes this weird, like, sort of like um, uh, vampiric mentality to toward jazz, where he's just like. And this oh. happens with any sort of music too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like rap, there are people who are yeah. rap traditionalists who hate rap currently. Yeah, and it's like, but like at some point you got to accept that music evolves mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, but um, not but jazz is also weird in that way though, because it's like how jazz was the stuff John Legend's band was playing. Oh no, that, I don't know. Like that, I they say it's jazz or whatever, and I don't know. But that wasn't jazz to me. That was just fucking music. See, and that's like... It was just a John Legend and, and song. And John Legend was trying to... Ju- like, his character in the movie was trying to justify it as an evolution of jazz. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you How are you going to be all up on your high horse talking about how you need to save... We need to save jazz, but you, you're not willing to push it forward. Yeah. How are right, you going to be a right. revolutionary, I think, is what exactly what he says. Yeah. He's like, man, I'm not trying to be a revolutionary. I'm trying to fucking own a jazz club. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> basically. Um, and... Those people are needed. It's just like, was Seb needed as that person? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting choice for the guy who's who's that I, guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I get what you're saying. Um, oh, I thought you were about to say something. I was. I, I forgot. I'm not going to lie. All right. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> the main, obviously the main purpose of this movie is the love story between Sebastian and Mia. Uh, and all in all, it's one of my favorite love stories I've seen in any movie. Yeah. No, Simply I, because you, you mentioned this last night, it's universally relatable. Yeah, no, it is. It's just something that like you can find some piece of that story that tells your own. And it's like, it always hits harder. It's it harder always hits harder. Always hits harder. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, everyone has had that moment where they were sitting in the theater right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. uh, Emma Stone like reaches her hand up to her knee, which is the universal like, you know, yeah, like, you can grab my hand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Ryan Gosling also moves his hand to his knee, so they're like right next to each other, and you can like, you know, you feel that electricity. Yeah, you you, 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 feel you, it. you felt you feel it before, it. <laughs> like that. You're you're so close, you're almost there, and it's just like, all right, we're gonna touch hands now. And okay, now and we'll lock. Here we go. <laughs> and, and, and it's like it's it, it that. That moment of warmth. Yeah. That, you know? <laughs> that like, moment of there, warmth. There's, like, this settling feeling that's just like, you know what? Shit just might yeah, be okay. Shit just might be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that, that moment in the movie makes you feel that. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, they, they, they play on a lot of uh, typical tropes of youth romance, um, which I think makes it especially relatable to people who are younger because people who are older, I really don't think actually like that movie at all. Like really? from what I can tell, like of like the reviews that I've read, like pe- a lot of people are like, "Oh, this is like 
melodramatic, uh, just like unrealistic and like all this other stuff. And, it's like, the most realistic love story I've ever watched. Well, it's the most realistic love story. I think the story itself is probably unrealistic. It's a, it's a little reachy. It's also supposed to be like a dreamscape sort of thing. Like that's why well, yeah, there's and it's, so many it's, like. Part of it too is that all of it's supposed to be like, most of it is by chance. Yeah. Like they right. happen to bump into each other. Yeah. I mean, that's how most people meet. But uh, <laughs> you happen to run into somebody. You hadn't met them before. Yeah. Odds are you weren't just like, hey, let's meet here. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's like everything in the movie kind of happens to them mm-hmm. besides their romance. Right. They make their romance happen while everything else just kind of happens to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that causes everything to go off the rails, honestly. It does. It really does because, like we were talking about this earlier, the the spontaneity seems to be what their uh, relationship was kind of built upon. Mm-hmm. You know, the very first thing that Seb uh, Sebastian does is he shows up to the coffee shop after they've already talked and they've already met and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, you, uh, you free?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I know. Last night we were just singing about how uh, this is a lovely night and it's a waste because we're together, but uh, you know, now I'm kind of a." Uh, Kind of into you. <laughs> kind of into you, yeah. <laughs> so, and doesn't ha- this whole thing doesn't happen if Sebastian doesn't show up to that coffee shop. Yeah, no, that's a fact. He oh. shows up, and they, they do their whole flirty thing. They walk through the lot. She tells her, she tells him his her dreams, and then he tells her his. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Let me take you to a jazz club. What are you doing right now? Yeah. Another spontaneity. What are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, nothing. He's like, all right. And that, that's really a big thing in, in like, I feel like, young like relationships with people who are younger because like you don't you're just looking for any any excuse to be with that person like Mm -hmm. you don't have like things that in your life where you're like oh i have to be doing this this these days of the week these times like you have to set up an appointment to see me like you know like they're they're more so just like hey what what are you doing (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's like all those things like kind of fall by the wayside (laughs) it's it's like it's like well i will do these things but as long as I can do this too, <laughs> as long as I can be with this person for a yeah. little bit of the day, mm-hmm. it'll be all right. Right, and that's sweet as hell. <laughs> that is sweet. That is sweet. Yeah, uh, but she he obviously takes her to that uh, the jazz club, the lighthouse, and then he uh, he asks her out to a movie that night, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, I can do that." But you know, she forgot about a dinner with the boyfriend she already has. <laughs> yeah, that was that kind of threw me off. I'm like, wait a second. So all of this time. She's technically been dating a guy. Haven't even seen him once in this movie, which is significant. Yeah. That shows just how great their relationship was. I just could never imagine being in a like a relationship like that. Like I would just like hate myself. Like I feel like you have to know in that relationship that y'all are like so flimsy that like Yeah, it you could you could the start dude just showed a up. whole other a whole other person and for Exactly. Like, forget, forget he exists. <laughs> like, that was the purpose of that, right? Yeah. Like, she met him, and then it was yeah. like, this dude's gone to me. Yeah. I don't even remember him. <laughs> so when he shows up to us, we're like, oh, shit, this guy exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she has that reaction, too. Mm-hmm. So when they're at dinner, and she's thoroughly, thoroughly just not enjoying it, she's yeah. like, man, I'm really unhappy with this guy. And yeah. his friends are just assholes. They're talking about a bunch of shit that I don't care about. I don't care about, yeah. And what what was interesting too is that they were they were talking about their jobs, mm-hmm. but it was like typical corporate jobs and stuff. Yeah. And uh, nobody nobody growing up goes, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
going to be the CFO of a bank. Oh, <laughs> fuck yes. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like, like exciting. Like not a not a bad job, obviously. Oh, yeah. You you're going to make, you're pl- make money. You're going to make money there. But uh it's not a passion. <laughs> you know? She 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 notices in this moment she's an actress, she cares about what she's doing. Her boyfriend doesn't give a shit. She hears the jazz in the background and she goes, "You know what?" I'm going to go be with him. Yeah. She gets up, leaves that dinner immediately. Spontaneity. Spontaneity. The second act of love <laughs> between the two of them. Yeah. Obviously, this leads to their their movie theater experience where they try to hold hands and they're about to kiss. And then it's like the projector breaks. Oh, shit. What do we do now? Spontaneity. We're going to the uh, Griffith Observatory. Yep. Exactly where we saw it in Rebel Without a Cause. I thought that was kind of cool. They matched that shot mirror for mirror. Yeah, that was cool. So we got another moment of spontaneity that leads to their very first kiss. It does. Another major moment in their romance Mm -hmm. built upon spontaneity. Then we got like a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. Just, I mean, they're going on dates. They're in love. We get this clear summer loving type montage. I like how they split it up by seasons because seasons, I feel like, are, are weird like backdrops to emotions and they also matched the uh and that was the point of the like doing the seasons is visually they could tell a story that matched the emotions that they were experiencing right through that time summer obviously they were just like happy as they yeah. ever fucking been yeah and then winter came around and it was mm-hmm. oh no oh no <laughs> oh no I mean, yeah, it starts in winter when they're both kind of like, ah, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. Kind of unhappy spring. They they run into each other. Yeah. They start dating. Summer, they're in love. Fall comes back around again, and it's kind of, it falls to pieces. Yeah. That's basically what happens. It's a good fucking movie. It is. Overall. What would you say is the point of this movie? Uh, Well, the the, the point of this movie, I feel like, has like... A lot of different dimensions, but above all, it's just to be like kind of realistic about what life is, what life and love is and like what yeah. what love and life is. Um, so life as a compilation of indiscriminate love is kind of how we contextualize the uh, the uh, universal message of this, because it's like it's your your natural question is, oh. So she left him, goes, marries this other guy, has kids. Obviously, she must be happier with this guy. But that's not necessarily true because she realizes that there was every possibility that that could have happened with Seb. Exactly. And that's that's what the whole point of the ending is, too, is she like they're both. I'm assuming in that moment, that's what the montage is for, is to show that they both were as happy as they've ever been. together. Mm -hmm. See, I was talking to you about this off mic. It's like once you're in love, like. Are there varying degrees of in love, really? Or is it just you're fucking in love? Yeah. So it's like she she's obviously married and she has children, and I'd imagine we don't get to see their love story, but given given the circumstances, I would guess she's pretty happy. Yeah. And, uh, and I would guess that she was in love with her husband. Yeah. But she was also in love with Sebastian. Uh-huh. So when they're remembering all these things, it's it's not a what could have been it's just if everything had gone perfectly yeah right if everything had absolutely gone their way their careers had aligned perfectly their their goals their relationship just worked on all cylinders Mm -hmm. and they were they could have ended up together forever but often it's just not how relationships work yeah just you know you don't usually hit 100 
You don't. You don't. It's like baseball. You're lucky if you bat 300. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did fucking good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, I, uh, the ending of this movie just, it tears me up a little bit. Yeah, no, it does. It, well, it's just like so, like, I don't know, like, it's like, it's so understandable that it hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's also the factor that, like, this isn't that far-reaching yeah. in terms of something that's impossible. Like, it's Mm-mm. certainly possible. Most people fall in love and then break up with someone. Yeah. That's usually, that's, how, that's, that's usually how life goes. If you if you fell in love once and you were together forever, good for you. <laughs> but that's just not how it goes often. <laughs> so it's it's that last moment where she's walking out of the Seb's club and she looks back at him and he looks back at her and they're both like, yeah. This is how it had to be. This is how it happened, yeah. Be it a good thing, a bad thing, I don't know, but we are where we are, and you know what? I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah. And I don't know how to put that into words, like in <laughs> terms of like a, a sum yeah. explanation. Uh-huh. It's just kind of like, we are where we are, and I'm cool with where I'm at, and I appreciate where you took me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like, there's definitely an impact that everyone who who you get close to in your life like that plays on just how you think about things. Yeah, and there was a, a quote in an article I was reading about La La Land a little bit ago where it was saying that the movie isn't just about uh, ending up with the people who are most important in your life. It's that everybody who came and left your life is as important as the people you are with when you end it. Yeah. Or not when you end it, but... Throughout life, <laughs> not when you end it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah, don't go ending it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. I don't have much else to say about La La Land, man. Yeah, you know, I think we, we we've we've thoroughly um, experienced that movie for sure. I mean, I, this was like my I'd say fifth time watching this movie. First movie that uh, we've repeated. Yeah. In yeah. terms of. Uh, a rewatch. I've I never mm-hmm. watched the first three movies that we've uh, that we reviewed the last last couple of days. You know, Jojo Rabbit, Ad Astra, yeah. and American Pickle. Those were all first viewing. So to revisit a movie <clears throat> was interesting. It was. I'd like to re- I'd like to do it more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on a scale of uh, one to ten, what would you give this movie? And uh, I know if you're listening to this, you probably listened to the last couple movie reviews. Maybe, maybe not. Last one we had a uh, scaling and a rating system, and we decided it doesn't work. So, uh, all those movies got six out of tens. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Which, Ad Astra. To be fair, I probably would have put them around that range. Around that range. Had I, had six six or seven. Th- th- yeah. that, that's fair. Like, See, but then we did the same scaling system for La La Land, a movie that me and Tavares both know we like a lot. We watch and we are blown away by how good it is. When we did our scaling system, it came to a 7.5 out of 10. <laughs> and we were like... That simply isn't correct. <laughs> that we simply thought, isn't correct. We thought, you know, for the last three last three movies, 6 out of 10 could be right. 7.5 out of 10 for La La Land for us just wasn't. No. And it showed us an evident problem in our scaling system. So, from now on, we go with the gut. <laughs> <laughs> out of 10, what do you rate La La Land? I don't know. I'm thinking it's, it's got to be at least be a 9. I, I think 9, too. Yeah, I think there's enough flaws to not make it a 10, but it's definitely a, a 9. And 
the critique you gave it at the beginning, it's just there's one aspect of it that's pretty hard to get behind. Yeah, right. That, that the white man saves jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean... What if they did Michael B. Jordan instead of Ryan Gosling? And then you can't do Emma Stone, I don't think. I mean, you could, but it's you just kind of like... It would look weird. But that's also problematic. That is also problematic. <laughs> it's like... Frankly, the the cast of this movie probably should have been black. <laughs> I mean, if we're just being real. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, but L.A. is in L.A. <laughs> with black people. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the movie for what it is. Yeah, and I really, yeah, I course. really fucking love the movie. Of course. So 9 out of 10 is a fair critique. You get one point off for not having enough black people in the movie. <laughs> Which, I mean, is a fair critique. That's that's yeah. absolutely, like, not having, a lack of diversity is certainly a reason you can deduct yeah. a movie points, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, I'd go, I'd go 9 out of 10 for La La Land. Next segment? Next segment. So, we are here to answer a question asked by so many around the world. Who are we? And I still don't get it. I, I really don't. You don't get it? No. You don't get who are the the reference? No. Who are we? That's a Parks and Rec thing. Tom Haverford yeah. says it. It's like in a tribute video to Little Sebastian. See, I feel like a little he's tiny the horse. Last, he's the last one to be contemplating existential uh, consequences. It's yes, but they're at the funeral for a little horse, and it shook up the whole town. The the death of a horse. A little horse. One horse. Little horse. A baby. No. Little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. Oh, Little Sebastian. Bye, bye, Little Sebastian. <laughs> it really tore him Miss up, Miss huh? you in the saddest fashion. <laughs> okay. Fucking love Parks and Rec. Yeah. Well, if All you right, couldn't but, get a good idea of who we are from that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, who are we? So uh, you want to run this down for us a little bit? You sent me a link to this a week ago, just about. Okay, so if anyone is a... Like me, and, and and you know, is is, is kind of weird, and wants to take a psycho uh, a personality test. Openpsychometrics.org. I thought it was sketchy at first. I was like, is it going to be one of those like just Buzzfeed type yeah, quizzes? Just like where they're like, oh, you're like this person because you you like the color red, like the color red. Yeah, and they're like you're just like Iris from The Flash, because like, <laughs> clearly she likes red. Yeah, clearly. Anyways. Turns out this is actually scientifically based, and the idea behind this is that um, the uh, test is a uh, personality test which reflects an average ratings of individual, an average of the ratings of individuals. Uh, they collected this data according to just like um, I think like amount of scenes characters portray a certain personality trait, and they associated them with each, and then uh, they rank you on it on a scale where you get. Uh, says 30 uh, there's 30 character hold on, hold on. volunteer respondents rates 30 characters on one trait each randomly drawn from a bank of 30 traits i don't know did that make sense to you i'm just reading that for the first time yeah <laughs> i uh I, I i get it okay, okay yeah i get it all right it's like they're they take these 30 characters and they have 30 traits and they tell them to assign a trait to each and this character. Is why I'm, I got like a 16 on the science portion of the ACT. 
Like I was there. They were like, I, I can't comprehend the, the paragraphs test. when they have numbers in them. Yeah, I know. And I'm just like, uh, you're explaining something in depth, but I just, I just don't get it. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, sounds legit. So that's the uh, the uber scholarly overview of uh, this personality test. And basically, what this personality test does is it matches you to television or movie characters, and. Uh, I liked the results. The results were interesting. I took it a couple times, and the, the results were always pretty consistent, mm-hmm. but the questions were always different yeah. for the most part. Mm-hmm. So that was always that was really interesting, and I appreciated the consistency of the tests. Mm-hmm. So we selected uh, five movies or TV shows, and from each of them, we got our match uh, for that TV show or movie. So on the first one, Friends. From Friends, me and Tavares both got Phoebe Buffay. Personally, I love Phoebe. You obviously don't know too much about Friends, no. having never watched it, but I can confidently say that if there is any character from that show that me and you have the most in common with, it's probably Phoebe. She, uh, She's the most spiritual of the group. Not, not like, religious, but just kind of, like, connected to everything. Okay. She, she's very, uh, in her words, floopy. So she's an airhead. She's very much so an airhead. <laughs> she is absolutely an airhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not dumb. Okay. She she's still a smart woman. A little ditzy. You know? Just a little ditzy. Yeah, she and it's a it's a it's a fun ditzy. Yeah, yeah. It's no. like a it's a ditzy that you care about. I definitely feel ditzy at times. Oh, I'm certainly it seems ditzy. Seems like you feel a lot more ditzy than me at times. And that is why my percentage <laughs> rating for matching with Phoebe is the highest on this board at 81%. <laughs> Of any of the characters. Of any of the characters. I'm 81% like Phoebe, and uh, Tavares is 65% like Phoebe. Uh, The next one, Mm -hmm. The Dark Knight. Now, this one was... uh, This one was a rude awakening. This one was fascinating. Uh, Let's go with yours first. (laughs) Yeah, well, I got good old Lucius Fox at 64%. Morgan Freeman. Can't can't argue with that. You know, I can't argue with Lucius Fox. He was was loyal to the freaking end. The man was... Just, just an OG. Just he, like you know what, I'm doing this right, and I ain't doing it because you're a white man who dresses up and fights people and tells me to. Okay, I'm, I'm doing, doing it. this because I, I care. I <laughs> care. <laughs> I care about supporting this white man who dresses up in a suit and <laughs> tells people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like he a cop. No he a little damn bit. Well. He a little bit of a cop. I'm just a weapons developer. But that's pretty badass. Weapons developer, uh, moonlighting. As as a superhero's like weapons developer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like just it's being an old ass. guy, just being like, uh, he gets all that arsenal from me. It's pretty I'm kick the ass. Man. There's no Batman without Lucius. So Fox. you were a sixty four percent match to Lucius Fox. I was a seventy uh, percent match for the Joker, <laughs> which uh, interesting. Interesting. I Very. wouldn't say Phoebe and Joker are exactly similar. But I am 81% like Phoebe and 70% like the Joker. I like to think I favor Phoebe a little bit more than Joker. It must just be you. But, you know, I mean, just some people like to watch the world burn. They're saying you have a, you have a, you have a dark side. To nobody, uh... I think if I dyed my hair green, I could kind of pull it Ooh, off, though. That would be, yeah, that would, that would I've be got the long terrifying. hair. Yeah. If I, if I just didn't wash it for a few days, it gets, it gets stringy as hell. Yeah. That's, then that's I could, kind of terrifying. I'd just be, yeah, I could just paint my, paint my face white and do all the makeup and everything. Uh, please, please don't. I won't. Okay. I won't. I uh, I don't support the Joker's actions, ah. even though I like how much chaos he likes to run. He does have an interesting philosophy. 
does have an interesting philosophy. Yeah, and uh, I'd imagine that that's mostly why I got the Joker in this one because every time a question came up that was like um, the one that's like, fuck the police or uh, um, what was the other end, end of that? Oh, uh, I, I, I can't remember what it was. Get, oh, uh, oh, Tattletale. Tattletale or fuck the police. I was 100% fuck the police. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's just how, <laughs> That's just one hundred, like not any room for doubt. So if there was anything in that vein, I always went with the more anarchist view of things. Yeah. So that's very much so, Joker. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, not now that now that you say it, I don't know how I got Lucius Fox though, because I definitely put a hundred percent on that too. So who knows? You know, it seems like you got some other problems. Maybe so. Now for the <laughs> office. <laughs> This one's not going to be too surprising, given that me and Tavares are relatively normal men. Uh, are we? <laughs> I'd say so. Just, okay. I mean, more normal than the other characters from The Office. Fair enough, yeah. We yeah. both on, match. On, on an office scale, that's a different scale from a normal scale. Oh, for sure, yeah. We we match with Jim, which makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's like if you're going to match with one of the dudes in that show, you probably want it to be Jim or Daryl. Yeah, yeah. I think I got Pam last time. Uh, uh, I got a- Aaron. The very first time I took it, and it was like, uh, you know, I can see it, I guess. Yeah, I kind got of. Aaron, which I was it's very Phoebe-esque. Very Phoebe-esque. Very which Phoebe-esque. made sense to me. But uh, the second time I took it, I got Jim at a 70% match, which was not as high as my Aaron one. I got a 78% match with Aaron. Oh, man. So uh, the Phoebe and Aaron type character, I, got, I get very high <laughs> matches with, which is interesting. And it makes sense why they're always my favorite character. Yeah. So yeah, Jim Halpert. Jim Halpert, my guy. And I'd say I'm I'm relatively like Jim. Yeah, Jim is just he's he's that one who has opinions from the outside, you know? Yeah, he's he's the everyman. He's the, the one everyman. who the one who we view the story through, so mm-hmm. it's easy. Yeah. But yeah, if there was anyone else from the office you could have matched with, who would you have liked it to be? Mm, I don't know, honestly. Probably, probably Jim. I mean, uh, um, I want Kevin. <laughs> uh, when I'm president, they see. <laughs> they see. They see. They see. <laughs> uh, shit, I'm I'm forgetting his name, but um, R- Ryan, Dwight, no. Creed, black, black guy. Oh, uh, Stanley. Stanley, yeah. I kind of would want to be Stanley, but also not because, like, Stanley is kind of mopish and, and, and depressing in a lot of ways. A little, a little bit, In yeah. other ways, he's liberating because you're just like, he's just fucking. Like Florida Stanley. You don't, he just said it. Oh, yeah, Florida Stanley. Florida, Florida Stanley. Stan- that's that's like, the ideal character Flor- to be Florida like. Stanley. That's or Creed in the finale when he's getting arrested. <laughs> Creed Creed is probably number, number three. Number I mean, the dude's just got stories from everything oh yeah the man's a legend but yeah i got a 70 percent match with jim Tavares got a 63 percent match with jim so i'm an i'm equal parts joker and jim okay 70 70 percent both of them yeah yeah there's okay this one uh this one i feel is the most interesting in terms of a uh actually the next two are kind of in the same vein in terms of who we matched with what do you mean like for Game of Thrones, this first one, uh, yeah. you got Tyrion Lannister, and I got Oberyn Martell. Oberyn's the yeah yeah, 
The prince from... Uh, prince of Dorne. Dorne, yeah. And I'd say, for the next one, Westworld, me getting Maeve and you getting Bernard... Those are th- that's like a similar lineup there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like Maeve is a, Maeve is in the sim- in a similar lane to Oberyn and Bernard and Tyrion are probably also in a similar lane. Yeah, and it just made sense to me. Yeah, I, could, I hadn't, I I didn't acknowledge that, that yet. No, <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's an interesting. Well, yeah, I, Ober- was, I feel like Oberyn and Maeve less so. Maeve is kind of important. Oberyn ends up kind of. I just meant in terms of personality. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant like in terms of their role in the story. Oh no. I just meant more in like who they are, so it would make yeah. sense that we we yeah. matched up with them in it terms does. of our personality. It tests. definitely does. Yeah, I got a seventy eight percent match with Oberyn, which I was extremely happy about because Oberyn's badass. Oberyn, I love is. Oberyn. Yeah, Oberyn was. I, I couldn't believe he was really ready to fight that motherfucker. And he he really had him, but he just had to. He did. He he had him, and he had him killed, and then he got his skull crushed. Yeah, that was a that was a scarring. Scarring, for to say, sure. To say the least. I'd say. Uh, if there was one thing from Oberyn that I could, uh, that I wish I had, it's the sexual prowess. Oh, yeah. That man was a monster. That man loved everything. He was a beast. Just absolute monster. Just, what just, a guy. Fu- f- just fuck everything. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> consenting. <laughs> well. No, it, it was. I mean, it was, but like, you know, it's. It's also Game of Thrones. It's not like that it's a shaky. Much it's, of a it's a shady universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyrion, how you feel about matching with Tyrion? I mean, you know, I guess I see it, but like, you know, ain't no I mean, problems he, with he it. He drinks and he knows things. Ain't no problems with it. You know, I'm just you know, I'm Tyrion. I there always was, fuck with Tyrion because he was. I always fucked with Tyrion he, too. He was he was just kind of like the the little dude who just was like. Y'all are kind of being weird as fuck. Yeah, like, like why can't we just kind of delegate? Yeah, <laughs> like, like he's just like everybody... y'all just like so caught up on power and oh, let me do this and let me do that and it's me, me, me. And he's like, bro, like y'all are like... fucking it up for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Bran the Broken, <laughs> Bran the Broken, should be king. Uh, but if there was anyone else from Game of Thrones that you wish you could have matched with, who would it be? Uh, shit. I feel like I knew this, but I forget. Honestly, I'd like Jon Snow. I'd like to be like Jon Snow a little bit more. A, a little bit more like Jon Snow, not not be like Jon Snow, because mm-hmm. he. I, I can't imagine being that brooding all the time. Yeah. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to be Jamie. No. F- yeah. No. Fuck Jamie. Um, Braun. It'd be cool, Braun. Braun. I can fuck be, with Braun. Yeah, I, I matched with Samuel Tarly one of these times, which I could see more so yeah. than Ober and Martell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some great characters I, in I Game of Thrones. I want to be um, a faceless man. Just oh, just Jack and Hagar. Man. That's it. That's all. That guy would be kick-ass. Yeah, that would just be fucking dope. A little, you know, weird with the whole cutting off faces thing. But Yeah, you know. I, I'd probably be willing to risk it, honestly, for those, like, that sort of ability. That sort of power? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I got a 78% match with Oberyn, and Tavares gets a 65% match with Tyrion Lannister. Now to Westworld. I got a 69% match with Maeve. Nice. Ooh. And Tavares got a sixty-four percent match with Bernard. How you feeling about that one? I feel I, feel I, about right compared you, to all the other characters in the show. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how they guessed I was black, but 
That's a good point. Lucius Fox and Bernard. Lucius Fox and Bernard. Well, yeah, because I didn't. I never got a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got Oberyn, but that's not and a black guy. I got, I got Maeve. A... That's a black woman. Fair, fair. <laughs> my and my top guy was the was the black guy from This Is Us. Who I don't I don't know who he is either because I've never seen This Is Us. But oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, William, definitely my favorite character from This Is Us. But uh, yeah, Maeve. Uh, I'm I'm interested in the fact that I matched with Joker, Maeve, and Oberyn. Joker and Maeve are more in the same lane. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Joker. Kind of just raising hell. Yeah, well, not not even necessarily. Like, I don't want to like say Maeve is like Joker per se, but like they they are willing to go about you know their methods in the raising hell sort of way. Their willingness to raise hell. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Yeah, and uh, I mean Maeve's always been for me probably. I just finished rewatching Westworld season one last night, and Maeve. Is probably my favorite character in that show. Wait, you say you just finished watching it? Yeah, the oh, first season. Oh yeah, yeah. Or finished rewatching it. it. Okay. And uh, I, I have to say, I think Maeve's probably my favorite character in that yeah. show. She's just you. There's no one in the show that you are constantly rooting for besides these two. Really, mm-hmm. you want Maeve and Bernard to make it out. Yeah, you want them to be okay. And there are parts where you're like, Dolores is. Eh. She's a little she's shaky. Just, she just seems a little colder. Yeah. You know, she's like, you feel damn, like, like she uh, just Maeve don't and Bernard give up, are a bit uh, more human. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah, I, uh, I appreciate, I, I appreciated matching with Maeve, especially at a 69%. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, Bernard at 64. That's a solid one. Yeah. I was, I was straight in the mid 63 to 65 range for all of them. I guess I don't match up well with most people. Oh, you're 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 an original guy, you're, you're and a lonely guy. one. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I'm equal parts Phoebe, Joker, Jim, Oberyn, and Maeve, which is uh, that's actually that's about right. <laughs> that, that sounds that sounds about on, on point. Uh, then uh, Tavares, who you got? What's your combo? Wait, what? Your combo is Phoebe, Lucius Fox, Jim, Tyrion, and Bernard. Oh, yeah. That also makes sense. I see it. I see it for sure. Like, if you just balled all those characters up into one, it'd be about you. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, though. <laughs> That's what I'm having trouble with. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a vibe. You, just you, a can't vibe. Re- you can't really articulate these things. You look at it, you go, yeah, you know what? That makes about sense. <laughs> the sense yeah. is almost there. No, I see it's it. almost, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Shall we move on to the Umbrella Academy? I believe so. Let's do it. Let's talk some Umbrella Academy. We got Season 2, Episode 3, The Swedish Job. How'd you feel about this episode overall? It was exciting because it feels like they're really starting to pick up the steam quickly. It does. And everyone's starting to actually get together already, and you're like, okay. There's that moment where Vanya looked like she was like... She was really about to be in trouble with the milkmen. Oh yeah, no, she was. She was kind of fucking up there. I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, she kind of hesitated too long, but you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna do some uh, hitting the high notes because this is the perfect show for hitting the high notes. And then we're gonna do uh, under the umbrella, which is what in this episode reminded you of you. 
So, we start this uh, episode out with a, like, montage of Klaus, how he came to power. And <laughs> <laughs> came to power. Klaus. He, like, just, he meets this, old, <laughs> this oh older woman, and she's like, oh, come on, honey. <laughs> and then I think I think he kind of made her his sugar mama. Yeah. That was the vibe I got. Yeah. And then he like acted like he could float in front of all of her friends, so he mm-hmm. became this prophet. They yeah. they traveled the they traveled the world. And uh then he ends up back in San Francisco, all these people touching his face and shit, and he's like, mm-hmm. Oh god, get off me and then he has them all put their hands up and whistle. And he he crawls right out of that bitch. And he's like, crawls I'm out. out. He's I'm just done. like, I gotta I gotta go. Like, peace out. And uh, I love, I absolutely love that his followers were called Destiny's Children. <laughs> yeah. No. Again, with another. And it's funny just because R&B like, reference. it's going to come out like in, in like years and then they're going to be like, he, he foresaw it. Mm-hmm. That's why he's called the prophet, <laughs> which is absolutely awesome. Like, yeah, they show him in Mexico. They show him in India. I mean, Klaus is a legend, mm-hmm. frankly. I have, I have another note later that actually says Klaus is a legend. I'm pretty sure. But we next get a a look at Diego and Lila. Good to know Diego's alive. Of course. Lila saves his ass for the second time. Yeah, she's doing She's putting in that work. Interesting, given what we learn at the end of this episode. Very interesting. Just to gain his trust, perhaps? Well, I mean, you kind of have to. Like, when you you format a relationship like that, you know, a friend wouldn't just be like, damn, that's crazy, you got shanked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So you think part of their relationship is genuine? I mean, for her. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. But it has to appear genuine. It does. I hope this culminates in Lila being like choosing Diego because I fucking love Lila and Diego. Yeah, no, it's, they're, they're, they're dope. But also, we don't know how much of her act is her too. That's true. We that's that's very true. We also don't. I mean, she's involved with the handler. Obviously, we yeah. learn that later. Uh, you know, we'll get to it. So it was nice. Le- it was nice learning that you know Diego's alive. He didn't die when his dad shanked him. Right. We next see Vanya driving her truck, and then uh, she has to stop in the middle of the road when she is uh, confronted by a milkman, and the obviously. Milkman. The milkman. We know the milkman because uh, he likes to murder people. Yeah, they just kind of ruthlessly kill you. These motherfuckers about their business drive. <laughs> <laughs> she tries to step on the gas. She she gets shot at a bunch of times. This, the car spins out right, and you said, okay, you crashed. Now run. <laughs> She's running through the corn maze. You said, zigzag. <laughs> this, corn, this corn maze chase was dope. And it when was. she gets fired at... It was time to wake up. Yep. She let her powers go a little bit. She <laughs> forced them all back. She ran out of there. I fucking love her power. It's super fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We then uh, get a scene of Luther going on his run, and we uh, pass a man wearing a The End Is Nigh sign, which was a cool little reference to The Watchmen. Uh, like the very first page of The Watchmen comic, one of the panels features a character uh, named Walter, I want to say, carrying mm-hmm. a uh, sign that says the end is nigh. So I the thought, end that is was, nigh. thought that was cool. Another comic book to comic book homage. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, during these high notes, I found it extremely funny 
that the kids called Luther King Kong while he was running. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that when you look at the dude, like he, they're just like, I ain't never seen no shit. He like is that. literally infused with uh, monkey, monkey DNA. DNA. Yeah. So, I mean, is that offensive? Probably. Yeah, but you know, he is part monkey. Yeah, but like you can't <laughs> just go around calling all monkeys King Kong. <laughs> That's stereotyping monkeys. Yeah, but I mean, it happens. <laughs> it does happen. Shame. It's racism against monkeys. Why you got to call him King Kong? <laughs> Five finds Vanya, which is dope, based off his tracking of sound waves, by the way. That's part of what makes Vanya's power so cool, yeah. is that it's sound waves. Mm-hmm. And like when you connect that to her musical past with her playing the violin and shit, super fucking cool. Yeah. I find that super awesome. And uh, Five tells her, we got to get away from the Ikea Mafia, <laughs> which, an apt name for these milkmen. Yeah, Swedish dudes with guns. Yeah, the Ikea Mafia. This uh, part made me think it'd be trippy if you didn't remember anything, and then someone tells you that you don't even belong in the year that you're in. Yeah, no, I don't know how I would really take that. They'd be like, yeah, so basically an apocalypse vortex, um... Uh, spread out. Nobody knows anything. We are in 1963. We came from 2019. I would be like, wait, how many years is that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, 2019. <laughs> 106. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not quite right. Okay. Um, we see that she did some fucking damage to that corn stock too. She really blew out an entire yeah. area of that thing. Yeah, she put in work. She's a uh, she's dangerous, and Luther. Like, he showed up last episode or two episodes ago with his gun, hand on his gun, and he was, you see a little bit more of the reason why he might have been afraid if she... I mean, yeah, but, like, also, like, he wasn't going to threaten her. Like, there was no Yeah, he wasn't really about it, Luther. Be vigilant like that. Yeah, but we next see Luther arriving back from his run, and uh, Mr. Ruby actually, like, tells him to eat. He, like, sounds like his grandmother. Have you eaten today? <laughs> He's like... No, you need to eat. You got to fight tonight, which doesn't go so well. No. Maybe Luther should have eaten. Oh, wait. (laughs) Guess what? He eats a shit ton of chocolate here in a second. Maybe that has something with him getting his ass beat later. That's true. Uh, But Luther asks Mr. Ruby to track down Allison for him. A little weird? A little weird, but he's a weird guy. So it's Also, they are displaced in time. Yeah. It makes sense for him to want to find someone he knows. Right, right. But, like, why have you waited? I mean, yeah. He he was just, I don't think Luther's very, uh, he doesn't have a lot going on up there. Luther's not. Could have been I lack feel, of oxygen. I feel bad for that guy, you know? I, I do, too. I do, too. He just is a, a little, uh, oh yeah, what's the word? Doofy. For? Doofy, um. I don't know. He's a little bit like Airbrain. Jerry from Rick and Morty. Yeah, right. Like, he's just kind of followed completely, like, led admission. What were you even trying to say? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where that was going. Led. Astray? No, I just want to say led by his emotions, but, like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why. I thought you were trying to say Michelle and tie that in somehow. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure. But, yeah, he, uh. The problem is, I don't think he know he was. He's always just been following his dad's orders. 
So when he finally gets his chance to be on his own and stuff, the next person who drove his motives was Allison. Then he lost Allison. Yeah. So now he's just kind of like, well, dude, I am a lost fucking puppy dog. I don't even know what to do. And, you know, I don't know what to tell him. You know, it's just live your life, man. You, you, yeah, gotta, you just got to live. You got you to live it. You got to do it. You, you work for a gangster who kills Lee Harvey Oswald. It's like the worst possible decision. Well, no, not the worst possible decision you could have made. But, like, why? why but a weird-ass decision to make. Yeah, like, he was like, you know what? I'm going to seek out Mr. Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> see what he's up to. But uh, next we see Allison approach this big-ass house, and she makes her way to the back. I never I never picked up on the ex- explanation for her being at this house. Yeah, no, I'm not it, sure It either. seemed really uh, random to me. Yeah, and dude, I probably just she missed just something. She just walks to the back. Oh. Klaus and she she finds Klaus in the pool in the backyard this dirty ass pool clearly abandoned <laughs> yeah and she like jumps in the pool fully dressed and gives him a hug and I thought it was really cute yeah. I really enjoyed it but uh they're going back and forth about what they've been up to and Klaus says ah you know dicks drugs debutantes my holy trinity <laughs> so, my holy trinity I was like that's the quote of the episode right there yeah um <laughs> and when he kind of understates what he's been up to Allison goes. You started a cult, Klaus. <laughs> He's like, cult's such a negative word. <laughs> she's like, nah, that's what you did. It's a that's cult. What you did. It's a cult. Then, then he learns that she's married to one Raymond Chestnut. And he's like, you say Ray Chestnut? He's like, yo, I know that dude. <laughs> she's, she's like, yeah. He's like, oh, I know him. We did time together. <laughs> we did time together. They They're, sat in a holding cell. They sat in a holding cell for a little bit. But, uh... This scene also includes a flashback to when Vanya got her throat cut. Yeah. Because... Or Vanya cut... Or uh, Vanya cut Allison's throat. My bad. Yeah, that was just still, still a group. That's scene. still one of the most shocking scenes to watch. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time it happened, like, that's out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. No. You're like, wait. I was just, I, I was like, this is, this is like more violence than this show has ever shown before. Why, why is this so abrupt, abrupt and at the end of the season? And just, like, I did not, I just didn't expect that to be happening at that moment. I was like, yo, oh, she really sure. don't care. Like, and the reason this flashback happened is that, uh, Klaus was asking her about if she'd been using her powers and she, she went on to talk about how she hasn't used them since she got her throat cut. Yeah. And that she's proud of what she's been doing. Everything she's done, she's earned it. She hasn't had to, you know, tell anyone a rumor, mm-hmm. which uh, that certainly got to be empowering. That was her yeah. biggest. That was her biggest, uh, like, insecurity yeah. in season one was that right. she didn't feel like she earned shit. She rumored her way to the top. Yeah, which is tempting. Oh, no doubt. I mean, if you have the ability to make people do whatever you tell them. You're bound to take advantage of that at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, great, great power. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like, you're going to, yeah. you're going to use it bad. Yeah, right. Like, you're going to be like, mm, what if I just was like, I heard a rumor all this shit was free. <laughs> <laughs> and the store clerk's like, no, you're motherfucking right. <laughs> <laughs> this like, shit is all yours. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Take the store. Yeah. And take the store. Here's the keys. And the deed. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we next see the uh, handler enter a pet store. She walks up on these fishies, and she uh, sees a kid tapping up against the glass. And I, this little interaction was weird. The handler's storyline is like just shrouded in mystery. I never really know what she's trying to do. Yeah, me either. And uh, 
This certainly didn't help when she walks up to this place and she looks in this fish tank. Did she put something in the fish tank? Apparently. Apparently so. She put that like, yeah. She put something in the fish tank and uh, she she whispers something in the kid's ear after he keeps tapping on the glass and makes this kid piss himself. Mm -hmm. She's scared the shit out of this kid. Or the piss, rather. I want to know what she said, though. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that was just a way for them to get out of having to actually write something that horrifying? Or... I mean, yes, to an extent. Or or is it, like, something important that'll come back and we'll see it? I I don't feel like we'll come back to that, but... Wouldn't that be so random? This little kid pops up and he says something and then, like... It's like, she told me everything. (laughs) (laughs) She told me her entire plan. (laughs) I pissed myself. (laughs) (laughs) It was sad. It was sad. We then see uh, the uh, civil rights activist group uh, having a bit of uh, internal struggle over whether or not they should proceed with the sit-in now that Raymond is uh, in jail. And uh, Allison talks her shit. She's like, hey, we are strong enough to do this even though Raymond is behind bars. We can do this shit. It'll be all right. She convinces enough of the group to proceed with the sit-in. And uh, she was fucking ready. It was hype as fuck. And then uh, one of the other ladies walks up to her and pats her on the shoulder and goes, behind every man. And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) Behind every man is a strong and powerful woman. (laughs) We next uh, go to the police station where Raymond is being held. And uh, what in tarnation? (laughs) (laughs) Tarnation. This uh, Dallas, Texas ass cop watches his float, watches his sandwich float in the air and then get thrown into the wall. It's a shitty looking sandwich anyway. Then his typewriter starts typewriting all on its own. And it says, free Raymond Chestnut or die. Or die. And then, you got quickly it. that, two options. on its own, debunked. It yeah. was Klaus's, was Klaus's friend. Bill. Right, which I kind of figured out. Oh yeah, I figured too. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Klaus was like, you know what? You're married to Allison. I'll come back for you. <laughs> I'll let you out real quick. And uh, he proceeds to tell Raymond that he's his brother-in-law and that uh, family barbecues are about to get real Real weird. weird. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's the first of the 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 brothers of Allison to show up Mm -hmm. and speak to Raymond before Allison. Or not before Allison for Klaus, but... Yeah. They just come up to Raymond and are like, Hey, (laughs) I'm your (laughs) brother-in-law. Yeah. That's that's that'll be weird. I don't know how I take. Especially that. if you're married to a black woman and a couple of white guys show up and are like, "I'm your wife's brother." Yeah, right. Like I would yeah, be like, it's got to be confusing at that point. She's never told me anything about. She's never mentioned <laughs> anybody in her family. Yeah, and I'm certain she would have mentioned two white brothers. Right. right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a given. <laughs> But uh, we next see uh, Five breaking down the situation for Vanya in the most uh, plain way possible, which is still not at all plain. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, the world ended in 2019. Well, you were adopted and bought by an eccentric billionaire when you were a child. You were raised as a superhero in a superhero group, but you didn't have any powers. And then we we gave you you unlocked your powers and then. The world ended in 2019. We got sent back to 1961, and we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> and another one's coming. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it followed us. In a week. <laughs> Dude, I, I, lo- I love the ending of that. He was like, uh, any questions? <laughs> any questions? And Vanya had surprisingly few questions. She did. <laughs> I was, I was she, impressed with she's, her uh, She's treating this like it's almost normal. 
And like, what was interesting to me is like the most shocking thing to her, which I guess this would be the most shocking part. Is she goes, her first question is, what do you mean apocalypse? Yeah. Like, hold on. You were just told you traveled 50 years back in time and you're going, what about the apocalypse? Yeah. I'd be like, wait a second. How'd I travel through time? Yeah, how'd I travel through time? How did I get here? How <laughs> did I get here? How did she get there? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that'd be my go-to, almost certainly. We learned the timeline is now eight days in this conversation, and uh, it's on pace with your one episode per day. Okay. Yeah, because the first episode's ten days away, second episode nine days away, yeah. third episode eight days away. Next next episode, we should be about a week away. About a week. About a week. About a week. About a week, I'll go. And then uh, Vanya immediately is like, I need to call Sissy because, you know, I think I'm in love with her. and uh sissy is currently parenting and it's she's having a rough time with her with her child at the moment yeah very rough i'd guess that this kid is on the spectrum oh yeah i mean he's he's uh, autistic isn't he yeah yeah but uh it is also the 60s yeah they don't know how to they don't know how to deal with you just gotta let it happen yeah, they they were just kind of. She did her best. She wrapped him up and squeezed him real tight when he was having a little bit of a uh, panic episode. Mm-hmm. Which I learned in atypical, it's actually a smart thing to do is wrap someone up and squeeze them tightly because it compresses their nervous system. Oh, and really? It, and it'll calm calm them down. Yeah. Uh, so she she had the right attitude about dealing with it, certainly. But uh, Vanya calls her and is uh talking to her about like how she found her younger brother. Sorry, mm-hmm. I took the station wagon and left last night. Yeah. And then she calls five her younger brother. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she doesn't know that he's a 50-year-old man yet. But how does this work? Is he her younger brother? I, I think so. He's got, like, well, originally he was younger than her. Like, before he got stuck in the future. Yeah. And so, just because he's lived... 50 something years yeah in that alternate time i don't know how that worked either yeah yeah he he lived well, 50, he, he, he lived 50 years into the future yeah and then he w- traveled back in time yes back to his and when he traveled back in time he got put back in his childhood body yeah which is weird because that means he is still the age that he was in the year that it is he's just with the mind of someone who has experienced quite a few more years. And if if they ever have to stop dealing with potential cataclysmic events, he's going to live one hell of a life. One hell of a life. The yeah. man's basically 60 and now he's 15 again. He's got the he's got he just knows how things work. That man could excel in everything he wanted yeah, to. Yeah. Literally. We next see uh Lila and Diego together and uh Lila jabs <laughs> the stab wound on Diego's stomach. <laughs> yeah, that tells was, him to lay the fuck down. You're not worrying kind of about a, this JFK shit right now. I would be pissed. I'd be like, why? Why the fuck would you think that's a good idea? It's funny. My notes here are: Lila just stabbed his wound, or uh, jabbed his stab wound. LMAO. Next note: These two are such a cute couple. I love these them. two are such a cute couple. I fucking love them Domestic together. Violence, oh, don't you love it? It's so adorable. Mm-hmm. And then they get real in this conversation, and it leads to us learning that Lila found her parents dead when she was four, which, given the end of this episode, now seems like a lie, since she called Handler her mother. Definitely a lie. 
damn, I really didn't want her to be a double agent. <laughs> I really didn't want that. Something. I liked her and Diego's rapport. Rapport. There was a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. About <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that word means. Me either. I just use it when it feels right. Yeah, just, you know. Like many Americans. <laughs> yeah, so when she was four, she found her parents murdered, apparently. And, it, and right here, my notes are like, oh, she well, feels Well, maybe that's not. Maybe the handler isn't her mom, too. Though. Yeah. Like uh, her actual mom. The handler, I mean, like, I don't want to act like there can't be interracial couples or anything, obviously. The handler's a white woman. Right. I don't think Lila's a white woman. No, she's not white at all. Maybe a little bit. No, not much. That, that, see, and that's what I was thinking. Like, maybe a little bit. Like, maybe. Yeah. I, you never know, though. You never know. Guess we'll see. <laughs> Guess we'll learn more in the future. Um, I, I really think their thing is real. The way she asks, is it okay that I don't hate you the way I hate most people? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, I feel like there's definitely an element of truth to it. I just don't know. I'd be willing to bet that her parents did die. The handler took her in because she was only four yeah. and raised her. And therefore, four. therefore, she is her mother. You know, she calls her mom and everything. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, I'm holding on hope that Diego and Lila are real. <laughs> <laughs> so, when she says... Uh, is it okay? I don't hate you the way I hate most people. He kisses her, which she responds by smacking him in the face and asking, what are you doing? And he goes, Jesus, I do not understand you. Because there was a certain tension there. Yeah. And then he lays down and she just starts making out with him. Yeah. You know, she's she's just a little all over the place. She's just a little all over the place. Odd little duckling. And then we see that uh, Mr. Ruby found Allison. Talks to Luther about it, and he's like, "You sure know how to pick them." Yeah, which was extremely racist. Yeah, but you know, sign of the times. It is. It is indeed. Yeah, he was just like South Dallas, huh? You sure know how to pick them. You what sure a, know what how a to fucking pick dick. <laughs> Fuck Mr. Ruby. I mean, he, he's a murderer and a gangster. So I mean, for more reason than one, but he's also racist now. So that sucks. Yeah, but I mean, could could have guessed that probably. <laughs> So uh, Luther pulls up to Allison's house, and uh, Raymond walks up on him and is like, uh, can I help you? And he's like, oh, I guess I've got the wrong house. <laughs> I'm looking for Allison Hargraves, and he's like, uh, Allison Chestnut. And, uh, dude, the the switch in this dude's face immediately, just <laughs> sorrow. Yeah. This man knows nothing but emotional pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My note here was, his sheer confusion and sadness over the sheer... Confusion and sadness overtaking this man is sad, but also a little funny. A little, fun, a little funny. The confusion part. The yeah. confusion part's funny because he's like, like the entire time, like that first time he walks in and he's sitting at the table, he goes, ooh, ooh, uh, uh. he's just so confused and he's like, yeah. he doesn't even know how to pull himself together. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't know. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I probably wouldn't have reacted that way, but the way that he did react is it makes sense for someone who probably has a abandonment issues. Oh, certainly. <laughs> Got left Given on the that moon. his dad sent him to the moon without an idea for what he was going to do up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is the part where Luther tells him he's a, he's Allison's brother, and he is forced to eat all these chocolates that he brought for Allison because he didn't want to give the, this guy the wrong idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he's just stuffing his face full of chocolate, and this guy's like, funny, my wife didn't mention she had a white brother. 
or two fuck. of them, no less. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and and then Luther, like he he looks at those pictures after Allison is on the phone with Raymond for a little bit, and Raymond's like, "All right, you want to leave a message for Allison or anything?" And then he like gets in his face, and it seems like Luther's like mad at him. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Just tell her I want to talk." Well, to her. It, uh, Ray just kind of seemed intimidated, I think, by Luther's size. Like well, I Luther, mean, I can't blame him there. Yeah, right, right. But Luther was just kind of like being like real like weird, just in general. He was kind of. I couldn't off. read what emotion he was trying to portray. Me either. Yeah. It was like, I'm I'm assuming it's some form of hopelessness because it definitely wasn't anger. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. <laughs> but uh, the next scene, the next scene we see is that they are starting the sit-in. Allison goes and sits down at the counter, and she gets absolutely reamed by a couple of white fucks behind the counter. And uh, my thought here was this white woman's a little too good at playing racist. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. And then, uh, so we just see the start of the sit-in there. We don't get to see much further than that. But then we next see Klaus coming back to Dallas. And he is uh, stopped by a little uh, convenience store of some sort where they are uh, selling paint. And he finds Dave, the man he Dave. fell in love with in Vietnam back in season one. When he was sent back in time to Dave. Vietnam. Because that's what this show does. Yeah, he's just all over the place. Fucking love it. I, I fucking love totally how wild this show happened, is. Honestly. Yeah, I had to look it up. I was like, oh, Jesus, I forgot that one episode Klaus had an entire romance yeah. arc. Uh, yeah. Where he fell in love <laughs> and got PTSD yeah. from his best or his boyfriend dying in his arms, which is devastating. So here we learn that uh, Klaus... Uh, wants to convince Dave not to enlist to save his life. Mm-hmm. But that would also mean he never meets Klaus. That's true. That's a that's quite quite selfless. I'm interested in the way time works for the guys who are in the Umbrella Academy. Mm. So I think they keep memories of everything. I, I do too. But like if they were to time jump Well What's so confusing is when they go back in time, the copies of themselves, once they get to a certain point in the timeline, wouldn't they pop up? Mm, I don't think so, because um, it doesn't seem like time is fixed in this universe. Like, That's fair. There's no, like... Like the way they the, their actions are affecting everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so where they go is where they go. Like, you can't be in, in two times at once. So, this is interesting. This basically means they live outside of time. In a way, yeah. Meaning, like, now that they've traveled where they have, uh-huh. they'll probably never actually be born again in the timeline. They will just have been born in their timeline. Well, what do you mean born again? Like, they're in 1963. If they were to live their lives from 1963 to 2019, they wouldn't be born again. They would have been born in their timeline, and then they just wouldn't happen again. So then what... Like, time's such a fucking mindfuck. That's that's just absurd to think about. Yeah, they they change history by time traveling, I guess. Yeah. That's That's, interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Again, we are back to the uh, sit-in, and I say, fuck these white people. (laughs) Fuck these white people. Uh, Ray shows up talking about how interesting his day has been, given that he has met two of Allison's white brothers. Yes. 
That would be an interesting day, to say the least. It it would indeed. Uh, then we cut to Luther and another vicious cockfight, and he's he's beating the shit out of a dude, and then he remembers his interaction with Ray earlier, and he gets a little depressed. A little depressed. And he lets this dude beat his ass in like an effort of self harm. Yeah, it's one that of those. So, that was. I don't know. He just so ga- he just gave up, and and I think that was kind of what what it was. Maybe trying to symbolize that he was just kind of hopeless um, at that point with that information. But yeah, he got his he got his shit rocked. He was like, "I want to feel the pain. I want to feel all the pain." I was like, "Man, sad. That is just that is devastating, dude." Yeah. I mean, I guess you have been in love with this girl pretty much all your life, and now she's married. That would that would contribute, yeah. That would After definitely contribute. After you've been displaced in time, and you're working for a murderous gangster, <laughs> it would all be a little bit crooked. We next go back to the sit-in where uh, it escalates. They get arrested. Yeah. Ray gets beaten by the police, which is super disappointing. My all caps note here damn don't beat the fuck out of ray man fuck all this mm-hmm. and then allison whips it out she whips out the i heard a rumor yeah she which tells the honestly cop, i've been waiting on that i'm like man you should have been out here probably should have used that a little bit ago just going wild on these motherfuckers you just, i heard rumors i heard a rumor <laughs> that black people are allowed in here <laughs> that's true <laughs> shit solved <laughs> i mean not there not their hatred for black people. Yeah, yeah. Now they can sit in there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was disappointing, too, to see that Ray was like, yo, what the fuck was that? Yeah. No white cop just goes away because a black woman told him to. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, who are you? Who are you? And he's, like, scared of her. Yeah, I hate when they do that to people. Like, they're just like, who are you? And then they run away. You're just like... Well, the thing for me is that wasn't enough for him to be freaked the fuck out by. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, she has two white brothers. Little freaky. But easy fix. Adoptive. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in your own mind. Like, yeah. not even, like, what she's... What the actual situation is. You uh-huh. can justify that easily. She gets this cop to stop beating you. And you're freaked out at her? It's interesting. Yeah. No, it's just it, interesting. It, it's weird. I mean, and obviously, a lot of emotions probably surging through Ray in that moment. Yeah, I think it's probably just more of a writing sort of thing, just like getting the story to move ahead. But like, it was just, it's kind of a lazy habit to just kind of be like, oh, they, they ran away. Like, they weren't curious. <laughs> yeah, like, well, she heard him say, I heard, or he heard her say, I, I heard a rumor. Mm-hmm. those two times when he was getting arrested. That's true. So he was like, you just said it again. He listened. You clearly have something going on with this I heard a rumor thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be kind of interested. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, no doubt. I, it, it was just an interesting reaction. I don't mm-hmm. get it. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes now. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We, uh... We then cut back to Luther getting his ass beat, and he is lifted off his feet by this man punching him, which is wildly impressive. Have you seen Luther? Yeah. That man's massive. He's a big guy. You can lift this man a foot off the ground with a punch to the chin. (laughs) He's a big guy. You're a stud. Yeah. And uh, Rudy was not happy about it. 
I as he has be. lots of money riding on Luther every night, and he didn't even attempt to fight back. Mm-hmm. Which tells me now he's going to be in trouble with Mr. Ruby. Which just adds a problem to his list of problems that he didn't need. Yeah, but he had also, a good thing with Mr. Ruby. There's still there's just eight days left in this whole thing, so I'm I'm just like I would just be kind of be like, yeah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's he did straight up turn down the opportunity to end the world. This man's just like I don't care anymore, man. If I die, I die. <laughs> just yeah. sad. He's just he's just out there being weird. To end the episode, we see Lila get out of bed with Diego. She uh, walks into the same pet store that we saw the handler walk into earlier. We watch her grab the little box out of the uh, fish tank, and it has a room key in it. She goes to that room. She lays on the bed next to the files we saw the handler looking at earlier. The handler walks out of the bathroom, and Lila goes, Hi, Mom. And that's the end of the episode. And that's the end. So... That's the most exciting part of this because my favorite part of the season through the first three episodes was already Diego and Lila. Uh huh. So now that there's this wrench thrown into Diego and Lila, which there had to be at some point, they weren't yeah. just going to give him a perfect relationship out of nowhere. Right, right. There's even more stakes in it now. Oh yeah, no. It's now you're just wondering like what the what the deal is. Uh, is she serious? Well, I I, I wonder what's um the uh, handler's motivations because obviously she's manipulated her daughter to doing into doing this somehow like there's no other oh, reason yeah. that she would have that connection but it's still pretty unclear as to why like what she plans to do about it like I'm why sure. she needed intel why she needed someone close yeah yeah that is interesting I want to know I want to and know we still don't know where the milkmen are coming from are they connected? Do you think the milkmen and I, it the seems handler like, are somehow connected? It seems like their strategy is different. Yeah, it seems like they have opposing, like, methods. It seems like the handler is, like, setting something up. Yeah. Because to have someone infiltrate the group, like uh-huh. Lila, yeah. that's something much bigger than the milkmen who are just coming in trying to murder all of oh, them. Oh, yeah. some some I feel like something's definitely being set up right now. Because this war... Has to escalate in eight days. In in eight days, yeah. And right now, and as of the moment, nobody's even contemplating war. So still, we still don't know what that impetus is. I can't wait for next week. Can't wait for the next episode. Oh yeah. Time for under the umbrella. What moment in this moment? Uh, what moment in this moment? What moment in this episode reminded you of you? Uh. Definitely the I don't understand you. I was that's what I was gonna yeah. go with. When Just <laughs> he's like Jesus, I do not understand you. God, we've we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly have. It reminded me of that scene in uh, Stranger Things. Uh, I can't remember if it was the second or third season. Probably second, but yeah, it's second. Steve Harrington's walking up to Nancy's house, and he's like, he's carrying flowers. He's like, I love you. I'm sorry. What the fuck do I have to be sorry for? Why am I even doing this? <laughs> He's like, I do not understand you. Yeah, very, very similar energy there. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I can also relate to the idea of if I were to start a cult, naming them, naming my followers the Destiny's Children. Destiny's Children makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, 
I think it'd be funny. It's a nice little joke. Uh, but what if Destiny's Children doesn't take that name now because they're like, oh, there's this weird cult that also has the same name. We don't want to get confused. You know, what if Destiny's Child was like, oh, damn, remember that cult from the 60s? <laughs> <laughs> now we can't be Destiny's no, Child. No, we can't be Destiny's Child. Oh, how history would change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would we still have Beyonce? <laughs> also, too, you got to consider that when they travel back in time, it affects the future. And so they aren't in, in the future. And so it can't affect their future selves. Therefore, it can't affect their past selves. Huh? Yep. Yeah, because their past self is their future self. God, that's such a <laughs> fucking trip. <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, what movie will we be watching next week for a review? What are we watching? The change um, up? Or the switch up? Yeah. The change up. Yeah, the change up. The change up. Change up. Jason Bateman. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one for sure. And we'll also be doing The Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 4. I have been Colton Robertson. That has been Tavares Pennington. Peace, love, and bloom, man. Praise Keanu Reeves, as per usual. And uh, have a nice day. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely you. That's what I meant. Yeah. Love you. <laughs>